Hi everyone, this is Jen Kesnick and you're listening to You Be You and I'll Be Me. So a couple of weeks back, I did a podcast with my daughter Beth um, about self-esteem. And in the podcast, I was talking about how I was going to go do this workshop for a group of high school students on self-esteem. And so we were just kind of kicking the tires to see, excuse me, how it was going to go. And although we touched on a lot of things in that podcast, my full talk didn't form until after that podcast was published. So I wanted to just kind of give you the talk that I gave that day. I'm reading from my notes, so it's not as conversational as my usual podcasts, but you know, you get the idea. Um, so I told the kids, you know, I introduced myself, said uh, yoga teacher, Reiki master, mother, um, and I also hosted this podcast. And why I was there to talk to them about self-esteem is because I have my own story um, about self-esteem. And uh, so that's what I'm going to tell you today. So growing up, I struggled with self-esteem, although at the time I didn't know that that's what that was. You know, I was, I was lonely and I was an only child and I didn't, I didn't have a good outlook of myself, Uh, but I didn't know that then. Uh, My parents were and are very nice people. They just lived in chaos and it wasn't a healthy environment to raise a healthy kid. As I grew up, my parents eventually divorced and remarried. My father moved across the country, so he was essentially absent from my life for about 10 years. Um, And my mother was ensconced in her own relationship, so I was essentially on my own. I finally moved out of my own, of my parents' house, my mother's house, when I graduated from high school, and I've been on my own ever since. 17 years old, I left and was completely... Uh, self-sufficient and independent. I obviously couldn't go to college because I had to survive and that costs money. So I had to work a lot. And I was, I was ashamed and angry that this was my life. Um, but I didn't really want anyone to know that. So I carried it around kind of like a shameful secret and secrets and shame keep us down. And the bravest thing you can ever do in your whole life is to tell your story warts and all. Um, because telling your shame or exposing it makes it disappear. The anticipation of exposing whatever your shame is is way worse than saying it out loud and being free from it. So obviously the picture I'm painting doesn't exactly scream candidate for self-esteem and self-confidence. I am fortunate that growing up I have a very loving extended family. I have great friends. And when I was in school, I always played sports and I always had a job. So I didn't get into too much trouble, but I certainly could have. And I also truly believe in my faith that I have awesome guardian angels looking out for me. Um, So cut to high school. I met a boy who would later become my husband when I was 16 years old at a summer job in West Hampton Beach, where we're from. We were friends for a few years before we started dating, and we dated for a year before we found out we were having our first child. So our oldest daughter, Beth, who you've heard on the podcast before, was born January 9th, 1990 to her 20-year-old mother and her 21-year-old father, and life changed forever. 
uh, becoming an almost teen mom awoken within me a confidence I never knew I could possess. I got to parent her the way I had always wanted to be parented and the healing for me began. It was like a switch got flipped and I felt worthy and confident and began to love myself because I felt it for the first time when I became a mom, you know, like, how are you supposed to know what it feels like if you don't know what it feels like? Um, so, you know, when people say, you know, do you love yourself? Oh yeah, I guess so. It's hard to say until you really feel like if that love. Um, so that's what changed for me. My parents who I now know were working with, you know, the limited resources their parents gave them were doing their best. Um, but, you know, there was no Google, YouTube, or TED Talk to see if they were doing it right. There was no podcast you could listen to to get advice from. And you certainly couldn't say anything to peers because somebody would think that something was wrong. You know, throw some real-life problems into the mix and you're not working from your true baseline self, who you really are. Because who we all are is love. We just forget that because life gets in the way. So Beth is born and my husband and I are lucky enough that although we were young, we were, you know, all in as a couple and a family. So it wasn't like teen mom train wreck. We, we figured it out. Um, and I realized that I had everything that I had ever wanted. I wanted, you know, a, a home, a family. I wanted someone to love me. I wanted someone to love and I got everything I ever wanted. So I vowed to be the best mom that I could possibly be. I read every parenting book I could because, again, no Google, no peers with kids. So I couldn't, I literally couldn't compare myself or my situation with anyone else's. I had to use my intuition and my instinct to raise this family because I wasn't going to go ask my parents, hey, mom, dad, how do you, how do, you do this better than the shitty way you did it? Uh, you don't know else you don't know or else you would have done that. Okay, never mind. So as it turns out, when you're in the position where you literally not only do you not want to compare yourself to others, you you can't. Um, so when I didn't seek approval or advice or compare myself to anyone else, I just trusted my instincts. It turned out great. You know, I I wanted Beth to come to that talk with me but she couldn't come because she was in Australia. Um, but if I'm a great example of what it's like to know what it, having no self-esteem feels like, she's a great example of someone who has self-esteem to spare. Um, I think that she was born that way, but also because she was raised that way. Um, you know, she, she gets knocked down all the time. Um, over and over again sometimes. Uh, and she keeps at it. She gets knocked down, gets back up, gets knocked down, gets back up. She was a sweet little kid. Uh, she's the big sister of this family. Um, Mark, Mary Jane, and Kelly uh, all come after Beth. Um, and she was, you know, a happy little kid. She was a dancer. She was always twirling, tap dancing around, and always had a pretty bright disposition. An outlook, and we joke with her to this day that she rides a unicorn to work. Um, but she's funny, and she can laugh at herself, which is truly a tribute to her, her humor as well as her humility. Um, can she be a little delusional in her expectations? 
Absolutely, but not from her perspective. The fact that she is confident she will be the next Oprah is perfectly feasible to her. She's always positive that it's all going to work out, maybe not in the way she first intended it, but in the way that it's meant to be. And people like her, the outliers, the, the people who don't bother trying to fit in and conform, but who make a difference because they're their true authentic selves stand out from the rest of the crowd. The people who truly become the agents of change have to be a little bit delusional in this day and age of likes on social media being the Bitcoin for our worth. Have the courage to be who you are. Uh, who cares if your mom wants you to be a lawyer, but you want to be a deep sea fisherman? Do what you want and follow your dreams unabashedly because you are worthy of greatness and it lies dormant inside all of us waiting for us to be brave enough to let it out. Believe in yourself and never give up. Spiritual teacher Marianne Williamson said, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And it is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. Well, let me give you an example. So we moved to a new town when Beth was in eighth grade. Um, she came home from school after like the second day and she stated at the dinner table that she was going to run for class president. And my husband, Mark and I looked at it and our th other three kids all looked at her like she was crazy. And I was like, Beth, we literally just moved here. You don't even know anyone. Why would you run for class president? And she shrugged and said, because I know I would do a good job. And then she went back to eating her dinner unfazed. And for the next six weeks, she made signs that said, Beth Kez, eighth grade prez, and she campaigned and debated and shook hands and kissed babies and promised longer recesses if elected. Uh, cut to election day, and she comes home and bursts in tears and tells us, I didn't get elected. And my husband looked at each other like, yeah, no shit, we could have told you that was going to happen. But we said and did the proper consoling for a few minutes. It was kind of a rule in our house that you were allowed to be upset about something, but there was no wallowing. And I know sometimes my kids thought that I was mean, but really, I just didn't understand these problems. Like, why are you crying over someone being mean to you? Who cares? That kid's an asshole anyway. Play with somebody else. Because I grew up worrying about safety and bigger issues. So my threshold for understanding being sad about things that weren't life-threatening was not a big deal to me. And I tended to trivialize them. So that's something that I have to apologize for them for. And they can someday do their own podcast and complain about how I screwed them all up. Um, so then later on that night, anyway, of the election day, she comes into our room and she twirls in and says, you know, I feel better. Not getting this just means something better is coming my way. And we were like, who talks like this? Is this a movie? Um, but over the years, she has other disappointments and none of these things ever define her. They refine her. She comes back stronger. And all the lessons that came at her polished her into a little pearl. She never gives up and she puts herself out there over and over and over again. And her hard work is paying off. She's got a great career, hashtag blessed life. And her formula is do what you're good at, do what you love, work your ass off and be in service to others. Because the more you give out, the more you get back. And she knows this. And what you tell yourself you are, you become. And it's up to you and you alone to create opportunities for yourself in this life because there are no white nights and your parents and your fairy godmother can't always help you. It's on you. You have to do it. 
Joseph Campbell was a famous mythologist who wrote about, wrote about the hero's journey. And everybody's familiar with the hero's journey, even if you don't realize it. And it resonates with people all over the world. Stories like Harry Potter and Hunger Games and Star Wars and Wizard of Oz and even that beautiful Christmas tale, Die Hard. Um, and the hero's journey is broken up into three acts. Act one, life as we know it. We're just living life, going along. And then you get the call to adventure. You initially resist. And then you get to meet your mentor. Act two is the ordeal itself. But your reward is that you have already met your mentor, in Harry Potter's case, Dumbledore, who has given you the tools that you're going to need to slay the dragon in Act 2. And the final act is the hero's return from victory. And the reason why these stories resonate with people from all walks of life all over the world is because we are all living our own hero's journey. You're the main character and the star of your own movie. You aren't man number two eating a donut on the bench. You're fucking it, the star of the show. And we all identify with that because we all, each of us, wants to conquer that bad guy or our shame and our secret and return victorious. So you start off with life as you know it, and you grow up learning the tools to help you along the way from your family and your early teachers. Uh, hopefully you're safe and secure. And then when that pivotal moment happens, for me, it was I had a baby and that was the beginning of my hero's journey. And for most people, it hopefully is just leaving for college. Um, you know, well, most of us aren't going to have an owl deliver a Hogwarts request to our cupboard under the stairs. Um, but, you know, you, you go to college or the, I was, as I was talking to these high school kids and like when you go to college and you see that's a whole nother experience when you leave home for the first time and it's difficult for you to come back home and re reintegrate into your role um, now that it's shifted and your parents, as I've said before, are going from manager to consultant and you know, when my kids would come home, I'd be like, oh, good, you're here. Pick up your sister, take out the garbage and go to the store. And they would look at me like, how dare you? We're peers now. I'll do none of those things. Uh, hand me a beer. <laughs> like, no. And your parents are still, you know, at this stage of the game, most likely paying for, you know, your car insurance if you have a car or typically at least your cell phone bill still. Um, and that is why parents feel like, no, I, I get to tell you what to do still, which is another reason why it's good to make your own way so no one can tell you what to do but you. Um, that reminds me of my story about Kelly, my youngest. When she graduated from high school, she announced that um, she was deferring for a semester and she was going to go to California to live with her boyfriend. And I just laughed saying it because that's how I felt at the time when she told me that. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. I was like, okay, well, if you go to school, you're a kid and we help you. If you move to California with your boyfriend, you're an adult and you're on your own and you get nothing. And she was like, fine, I don't want anything. Fine. And so she went to California. They drove cross country. They set up shop out there. And my plan worked just as I predicted because I was in California and I'd, I'd see her and I'd be like, hey, Kel, how are you? She'd be like, I'm so hungry. 
Like, I know it's hard to balance it all and pay your bills and buy food. And, and so sure enough, because it wasn't comfortable and easy for her, um, she chose as soon as the semester was over, she got her butt back to school and is working really hard and doing really well. But it's certainly easier than having to work for your rent and food at 18 years old. Um, and so hopefully, you know, for most people, it's not a major life change that happens that projects you onto your hero's journey. Um, but the good news is that when you're in that stage of life, after you've met the mentors and the teachers and the peers who aren't your family, who give you all the tools you need to get to the next level of the game, it's like, there's that dude, he's got the sword I'm going to need on level five, go give him the bag of gold coins. So every time you gain a new skill or need to gain new skills, something happens in life where you get to use those skills. And sometimes, most of the time, something happens and you don't get the skill until after whatever it is is over. But at least now you've got that skill in your bag of tricks in case it happens again. And throughout your life, your skills will be tested and you get more skills and they will be tested and tested and tested and so on. And it's hard, like blow your AP final out of the water hard. And sometimes you're going to fail. But every time you fail, you learn. And we rarely learn a valuable lesson without shedding a little blood, sweat or tears. I would tell my kids when I would be cooking dinner when they were little, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And I could say that over and over again. But inevitably, somebody would touch the stove and cry and look at me like it was my fault. And I'd be like, yeah, that's what I said. Don't touch it. Uh, but we have to go through things for ourselves. We have to experience things for ourselves to truly understand and learn. But the cool thing is, is that you learn a lot about yourself, the people you surround yourself with, and life in general when life brings you to your knees. Um but that's okay. That's what we're here for. And by that, I mean here on earth as humans, we are hardwired to overcome difficult obstacles. It's part of the journey. We don't have to hunt our food down all day or be hunted as someone else's food. So we have to overcome other things. Everyone spends so much time being upset or angry or mad that quote unquote, something happened to them. It's not fair and it's not my fault. And I can't believe that happened to me. Nobody cares. Yes, that sucked that that happened. Now, what are you going to do about it? Because you can feel bad, be sad, get angry, and then get up off your knees and get back at it. Embrace the suck, as Brene Brown would say, and see what it teaches you about yourself. It's an opportunity to make yourself proud. Once you get through a difficult time, and you will get through it one way or another, you look back and have this amazing opportunity to be like, did you see what I just did? No shit. I'm a straight up badass. The quality of your life is all about how you respond to the stressors. Stress is never going to stop coming, ever. So are you going to throw a shit fit every single time something happens? Sure, sometimes, because it sucks and you're human. So throw the fit, have the pity party, cry your eyes out, kick the wall, and then regroup and remember how you respond from here is based on your self-love. Loving all of it, even the parts of you that aren't great, being self-aware and owning your shit is what is going to get you far in life. Listen to your intuition. I used to say to my kids before they would go out at night, Jiminy Cricket. And they would roll their eyes and say, I know, I know. But if you remember Pinocchio, his little cricket buddy would always say to him, 
always let your conscience be your guide. And that means listen to that calm voice inside of you that is the real you, that is your spirit in action and at work, and it's always with you, and it already knows what to do. So trust your gut is a real thing. Trust yourself, you got this. And that voice that interferes with that nice voice, that's your ego. That bitch is like, yeah, she is prettier than you. Yeah, you are a piece of shit because you did this or that. Well, I'm here to say, fuck that voice. That's the voice that makes you feel less than. Don't listen to that one. Um, so I am a Reiki master. A lot of people don't know what that is. What the heck is that? But we all have energy within us, like rivers that run through our body. And because of life, our rivers of energy get blocked, rerouted, dimmed, drained, whatever. And Reiki sets everything straight. You place your hands on your head, chest, belly, and it just kind of grounds you much the same way a meditation practice does and gets everything moving as it should. It's almost instinctual. You know, you hear bad news and you cover your head your head or your heart with your hand. You know, you put your head on your forehead or your head over your heart. Anxiety and fear is felt like sinking feeling in your gut. Things that are difficult to say get stuck in your throat. But when you are balanced and calm and peaceful and self-loving, your body speaks to you in other ways. Your truth is always within you. Instead of that sinking gut feeling you get from fear, when something good or exciting is happening, it feels like butterflies, so much lighter. So try to notice when that happens and do more of whatever your own body is telling you, yes, this is good, we like this, more please. And also notice when the opposite happens and you have that stressful, anxiety, worried feeling and listen to what your body's telling you then and notice who you're with and where you are and try to start to stay away from the things like that. That's your body's that's your body trying to tell you to trust your instincts. We all have them for a reason. Obviously, we can't all be 100% confident all the time. I sucked at math all through school. I passed my classes, but I dreaded it and I wasn't good at it. So, do you know what I do now? I hire an accountant to do math for me. Adulting can also be fun. So try everything. Don't quit or give up on something until you've tried your best and you know it's not for you. Don't run away from anything, but walk confidently towards what does resonate with you. Put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to stand out in a crowd. Everyone is scared sometimes, even the people that don't seem like it. Trust me, no one is sure all the time. All we can do is keep trying. Embrace who you are, the good, the bad, the side of you that's shameful, the side that you don't want anyone to find out about. How do you think this Me Too started? Someone said out loud something that brought them shame and found out that they weren't alone, not even a little bit. Each and every one of us is going to feel pain and sadness and heartbreak. But if you didn't have that to compare to, you wouldn't know what joy and happiness and having your heart feel full feels like. So try to move your body to the point of fatigue as much as you can. This really helps your brain. Exercise raises your endorphins and that makes you feel good. It works, I swear. Go out in nature, leave your phone at home, or take the cool nature pic for Instagram and then turn it off for 15 minutes or an hour or however long you need until you're at ease and breathing deeply. Fear, anxiety, stress, worry, even crying reside in those short, shallow breaths and literally cannot physically happen when you're breathing deeply and evenly. It's a tool we have with us all the time. I also urge you to pay close attention to who is clapping for you when you're winning. Those are your true friends. It's nice to have friends support you when you're down, but the ones that clap for you are the ones you trust. The ones that leave you feeling not so great when they leave, 
put them on the tip top of what I like to call my pay no mind list. I don't pay you no mind. Those aren't the people that want what's best for you. Find your tribe and be as good a friend as you would want someone to be for you. Say yes to things that you're afraid to do because that is an indication that it may be exactly what in fact you should do. There is a Joseph Campbell quote that says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So I'm clapping for all of you. Shine your light bright, as bright as you can. Your light doesn't make mine dim, and mine doesn't make yours dim. So like the good witch Darth said to Dorothy, you had the power within you all along. Peace. So that was my speech, my self-esteem talk. I hope you liked it. Pass it on to someone who needs to hear it. Um, if you don't already subscribe, you can go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, get it sent to you automatically every time one new one comes out. And if you want to leave a rating and a review, that would be awesome. And uh, as always, work hard, be nice, have fun, peace.